BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. You guys already know the deal. Another crossover show with my good friend Pat Mayo. Chewing the fat. Got a little bit into what the Bears should do with Justin Fields. Some new year, new me. Why are people not watching the NBA? A free-ranging and wide-sprawling conversation with one of uh, my greatest online buddies. Hope that you guys enjoy the conversation as much as I do. Now, uh, if you want to support the show, you can always subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash takecast for bonus episodes of the show. You can tell a friend about the program, or you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, let's go ahead and get into the episode. My last pick and my best ball draft that I'm doing right now, then what, we're going to start. What best ball draft are you doing right now? I got playoff drafts. Oh, on underdog? Yeah. Cool. What are you going to take games. with your last pick? What, what's your build? Let's see here. What is my build? I've got four Chiefs, two Rams, two 49ers. So the, the Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl. Do you try to like rig it? Like, do you try to play the playoff seedings when you do your teams, or are you just like, no, nah, I'm just going to stack up teams. I think you're going to go to the Super Bowl. Like, if you have 49ers and Rams, if the Rams beat the Lions, then they would play the 49ers in the next round. Well, you know, it really, it really, it really depends, right? It depends on. Uh, in general, I would just say I try and get the teams that I think are going to the Super Bowl. I try and get as many 49ers as I can every time I do it. But the way the structure is, sometimes you might need the Rams points just in the first round to advance because obviously the 49ers don't play in the, in the first round. So you'll need a lot of points to get 49ers players to the next round. It's funny. I I haven't played any, like I don't play best ball anyway, but I am, I really don't like, and I know you love it. And I know that there are people who love it. Like the season long from, sure. like, from February to August, let's talk about all of the optimal strategies and all that shit. I actually find like this, this even thinking about that because I hadn't really thought about playoff best ball. It's way at all. more interesting. This, this way is more interesting. like you can really come up with some decent strategies here. Like I think that there's a decent case. Now, obviously, it's not going to work every single time to just say we're not taking any 49ers and we're not taking any Ravens because they they're not going to play the they have no ability to play four games. That you say I'm going into 150 drafts or whatever the max is, and you're just like screw it. I'm not taking any Ravens, any 49ers, and I will load up on Cowboys. Or I think that the Browns beat the Browns or Texans beat 
the Ravens in the second round. So I'm just going to load up on one of the, whatever team that I think is going to win that game, I'll load up on them to try to get the path where I get eight full games out of my stacks. Like that's interesting, I think. But then you have to play like the brackets, the seeding bracket or not the bracket, but like the reseeding. So you get the right people. I had someone comment on my spread pick show this week. They called, uh, they called us real casuals for football because we thought that there was reseeding in the second round and it wasn't just a bracket. That's like confidently I mean, incorrect. <laughs> I don't know shit. I I am I'm just I I I actually don't know who plays who in the next round. It, it reseeds. The, 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 the Niners will play the lowest remaining seed. It's not a bracket. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, all right, let's do it. Three, oh, two, oh, oh, I I thought we were starting the show. I had a time code down for best ball now. <laughs> no, I hadn't started yet. Well, I I have it started. We can use my record. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, guys, we're here. We're doing the show. Davis Maddock, Pat Mayo. Uh, you, you got to see a little bit of, uh, of behind the scenes there. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this week for you probably is, I don't know, mostly. Oh, it's death. It's death for you. So I was thinking the same thing for me. This is a very busy week for me, but I was thinking because you don't give a shit about all these playoff contests. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's not like I'm covering season long fantasy football all that much. Like essentially all I've done fan like season fantasy football wise like in season i do my show with jake on monday afternoons because that's when it needs to come out <laughs> or yeah monday yeah monday afternoons i release the rankings for the week which means i need to have the rankings done by like sunday night monday morning so we can have them ready to go but that's essentially all the season long i'm doing everything else remains the same like i did my live show with tim on sunday to recap the games guess the spreads we did the full spread pick show i have dk picks with tambo coming up on friday best bets on thursday plus all the golf coverage that's now back that's so that i mean that's obviously the difference is that you are uh you know you're grinding out the the century coverage and sony, the, open, the, so, the week, sony open yeah i i'm behind uh i am in the one and done pool. I my plan was to spend. I got about forty five minutes this afternoon that are unclaimed, and my plan is to to get up to speed on everything that has happened in golf in like the last four months. While I've not been paying attention, John Rom, he he's gone. Right? Well, he's, well, he's, well here, he's a how about boy. this? Well, let's do a five minute golf refresher. You have questions. I will give you the quickest possible answers on everything you need to know. Okay. Uh, who all left for the live? Other than Rom, just Rom, and then Audrey Arnas left from the Euro Tour. Finau and Hatton were rumored to go and play on Rom's team, but they didn't go. What ended up happening with the lawsuit that said that there's like there's an agreement to make an agreement on a merger in the future? What ended up happening there? Fenway Sports ended up investing in the PGA Tour, so they provided some of the capital to basically keep them afloat. But the sure. there was an extension on the deadline between the Saudis and the PGA Tour pushed all the way up to April, meaning that all three of these are going to it's going to happen by the time the Masters comes around, and that's probably going to be it. So the, the smartest man in the world. Happen? The smartest man in the world is John Rahm, who just got six hundred million dollars and will probably be back on tour in six months. Yeah, I mean, I guess from someone who I my golf viewing is above the level of a casual as it would be defined by like viewership, but certainly more casual probably than the average uh, listener and viewer of the PME. I am not interested. I'm not all that interested in watching 
golf as it exists right now in this fractured state. I'm never watching a 54 hole, you know, fucking Buckminster Abbey live tournament. Like I just no interest, but I'm also not all that interested in watching Chris Kirk win at Pebble beach. You know, like it's just like those two things it, as it exists right now, it's the shittiest possible combination of things where we only, only four times a year do you get strong fields basically. I would kind of flip that maybe the other way, because I think this is all going to end up being a really big net positive for golf when all is said and done, once they come back together, because we have a, we have now actually created what we've always wanted. Like, think about the magic of the Ryder Cup. And, like, it doesn't really exist with the President's Cup because there's no animosity between the USA and a bunch of guys from all around the world. Like, I mean, right. besides being white, what else does Australian... Australia, Canada, and South Africa really have in common, all playing on the same team. Like, there's no... They all they all have the queen on their money. I don't think that South Africa does. Do they? Yeah, South Africa's the Commonwealth, isn't it? Although I thought they were, I thought they were settled by Holland. Like Is the, Afri- the queen on South Africa's money? It would have to be, because the Invictus Games were there. But I always thought that, for whatever reason, I always thought that South Africa was a Dutch colony. Because the Afri- uh, No, it's... Queen Elizabeth is on is on their money. Okay. Either well, way. maybe I don't know if she I don't know if she still is, but she was. So yeah, I guess all the Commonwealth countries. There's your connection at that point. Everyone who seceded from the Commonwealth, although uh, we didn't have to fight for it in Canada, they just let us go in 1867. They were just like, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money to run Canada. Is like, the is the Queen is the Queen still on your money? The King's on the money now. King Charles the Second. Sure. I actually haven't seen, I don't think I've seen like an actual bill in like three years, so I don't actually know, but theoretically he should be on the money, replace, he should be on the 20, replacing Queen Elizabeth. Are there weirdos in Canada who are like obsessed with the monarchy? Who Cust. like, who like, oh, that's so checks out because yeah. Cust is such, Cust is such like, um, like, uh, He's the guy who's always yearning for the past, you know, how things were. He he definitely is the sort of guy who would really look up to the monarchy and think it's like a good thing. I see. I don't know if he necessarily thinks the monarchy is a good thing or looks up to it, but he just really likes customs and conventions and traditions. Sh- yes. And there's so much Tradition. of that baked into yeah. like the royal family. Like, oh, they do things like how it was in 1492. It's like, all right. Which is like kind of cool, you know. I mean, it, I, 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 I get it. I'm, I'm not interested in it personally, and maybe, honestly, maybe it's just because we have nothing like that in America. Like, something historical in America is like a building that has existed for two generations instead of one generation. Like, you, you go and you're like, oh, that place was built in 1884, and you know, like, if you're in Europe, you're like. Well, Hadrian built that wall 2,000 years ago, you know, and it's just in the middle of London or, you know, London has existed as a place forever, which is like so different than we do things here. When I was on my honeymoon, it was really jarring. We took a train from Munich to Vienna and Munich was bombed to shit during the war. So it actually looks a lot like the newer buildings where I live in Halifax, like Halifax I mean, it's a very, I think it was the first English settlement in North America, or at least one of like the first three or something like that. We have a giant citadel fort on top of a hill that was probably built like 300, 400 years ago. Like it's a very historic city. However, in 1917, the biggest explosion in the history of the world at the time occurred in our harbor when two ammunition ships ran into each other in World War I, and it blew up like most of the downtown. So we had these like, 
it, so nothing was really there for a while. And then they built up these like shitty concrete like type apartment buildings like the 50s or whatever it is and munich looked so much like that because everything had been destroyed in world war ii so they rebuilt in like the late 40s early 50s early 60s but it had that sort of it's a bit older it looks a bit scruffier and dirtier but it had a really cool vibe then you take this train through the alps to get to vienna and vienna was untouched during world war ii and they just have museums from a thousand years ago and shit like that it was pretty cool yeah, that is, I mean, so, like, that part I get. Because I, I like history. I mean, I find history, like, pretty fascinating. I love, you know, like, reading some fucking Roman soldier's diary from 1,700 years ago. Like, all that's pretty interesting to me. And that is roughly in the same vein as why someone would maybe be in to the monarchy. I mean, obviously, like, I don't care because these... I mean, the, the monarchy as it exists now is like, you know, corrupt and gross and like, you know, whatever. Yeah, but is there, it, it's all celebrity worship, right? Like no one really, yes, it's, exactly. it's not like, oh, I wish the queen was the head of state for real and making decisions or the king. It's right. like, oh, there's no difference between the queen and Taylor Swift to some people. I, I would say it's like literally probably the same thing. Yeah, like whatever, whatever role that people have for the queen in their head is the role that that Swifties here in America, well, all over the world have for her. Have you seen sure. her around, yeah. Have you seen her around Kansas City yet? I have not seen her, um, but I do have some friends who have been to uh, the 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 Christmas pop up bar that her and uh, Travis Kelsey were were taking pictures. I mean, she's she's around. She does. She goes to places that. Uh, that people know like I, I mean obviously like she's got uh, security out out the ass but yeah she's she's around she she seems to be there quite a bit which is kind of surprising to me maybe she's really in love I mean I feel like that probably yeah I, I feel like it seems like they're probably going to get married. I mean, I don't know. Like, that that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, well, it was funny because when it all first started, it's like, who is this Travis Kelsey? Like, you know, because if you're huge into music, you probably don't know who Travis Kelsey is. Like, if right. you're a random Taylor Swift fan, right? So people are like, who is this Travis? Why is she with this guy? And then you take a look at, like, her other past boyfriends. are like, they're all these fucking scrawned out Skinny music guys. People. It's like, yeah, let's have this six seven guy who's, like, all jacked up football player who's, like, a cool dude. Like, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's probably, I, I mean, I've actually met Travis. Me too. Uh, I, yeah. I had him on the show on Radio Row, and we were comparing. We had a competition of whose earrings were the cheapest, because we both wear knockoff earrings. That's he probably so doesn't funny. anymore. <laughs> See, well, but maybe, though, because he's just kind of that type of guy. Like, he just is, like, kind of a funny, lovable guy, you know? I mean, that's just sort of, that's just sort of his, and, and obviously, I mean, like, a little bit of it is probably uh, a, sh a shtick. You know, um, the the I don't I don't listen to him and his brother's podcast, but like you obviously you'll get the viral, you know, clipped videos. That's all. That's all. You know, these big podcasts exist for us to get like 90 second video clips that end up going viral. And he always comes off pretty good on those. He was very affable when I met him. He was just coming yeah. off of the reality show Catching Kelsey when I talked to him. So we talked about that for a while, which was just amazing. That was uh that was a different that was a different era. I mean that was pre mustache. Different different guy. Different guy. What he when he he cut his hair. He used to do the 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 fuck boy. You know the the broccoli the, cut. 
Yeah, basically. Or, or like the, the super white guy. guy fade, which doesn't look good on anyone or any white this, guy, at least. <laughs> the super white guy fade with kind of like the high point and a lot of gel. And then when when he abandoned that, things things really turned around for him. If you're going to be a white guy and do the super high cut fade, you need to be fucking jacked. That's the only way that works. Well, he is pretty jacked. Right, that's so. true. Or you need to be like Chalamet, like skinny, like so skinny. It's like, oh, okay, this is like giving you depth and like width now that you're doing it this way. The the Timothy Chalamet as a uh, sex symbol thing, though, I gotta say that I do not get it. I mean, he I, seems I, I like, like every scrawny. Oh, I do too. I think he's funny. Um, I think he's endearing. But the idea that he's like super attractive and that like people are really into him is like crazy. Like he just, I've seen a million guys in my life that look like that, just like scrawny little guys with scrawny hair. Gen Z man. This is how you know you're getting older. You just don't get it. I I have th- those moments quite a bit these days, actually, where I'm like, this is just not for me, you know? I had a discussion with Tim and Jeff the other day. None of us knew who Travis Scott was. Apparently, he's very famous. Oh, I like him. Yeah. Sure. I, 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 but you're 10 yeah. years younger than me. Why Why would I know who that is? Uh, I mean, he's pretty famous. He is. He is above the level of famous that... Like, you know who Kanye West is? Yes. I've seen Kanye's been around for like 25 years. (laughs) So, like, Kanye West and Travis Scott are like, or were brothers-in-law. And, like, were, like, toured together. So, he was married to a Kardashian then? No, um, one of the Jenners. The older Jenner sister. It's all the same. Yeah. Yes. Okay, see, I know all of them. Because my wife watches the Kardashian show. So then you should know, you should know Travis Scott because... I, I think maybe he wouldn't go on the show very much, though. See, I, out of all of, like, the men in the Kardashian lives, the only ones I really remember from the show were Hump Daddy, when him and Kim were married, which was hilarious, and then uh, Scott Disick, who rules. Not really, but hilarious. You kind of look like Scott Disick. Little bit. I have less of a drug problem than Scott Disick, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I bet you've gotten that comp before, though. Like now that now that you now that I say it, I'm like, yeah, you guys do look. Uh, I mean, like. I, it vacillates depending on my body fat level of who I look like. Apparently, I got really generic face on the go. Sometimes that's a, that's a yeah, you got generic white guy face. Like d- depending on how I do my hair, I look like Pee Wee Herman. Uh, if I like, I was really skinny at one point. I looked like Edward Norton. People have said Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I'm oh, like, oh, you do look like Edward Norton. You really look like Edward Norton. There's yeah. the one. Yeah, I would say I would say that's your number one celebrity comp. Yeah, or or wow. Scott Disick. No, more Edward Norton than Scott Disick. But yeah, I mean, to your point, you do just kind of have generic white guy face to some to some degree. There we are. So back to golf. The whole point this yes. came up, the history of everything. So you have this history with the Ryder Cup. It's a real rivalry, rivalry, and it's been competitive over the past 40 years. The President's Cup has never really been competitive, so that's sort of a non-factor. And then you get this lead up of like, hey, team golf sucks, but team golf is fun when it's the Ryder Cup, right? Right. So once I think that Liv is still going to exist as a standalone tour, but their players are going to be able to play certain pga events throughout the course of the year like we'll see brooks and phoenix again that kind of thing like he'll play on like two pga events and all the majors and so will rom and so will bryson and whatever 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 but then we'll get like a Ryder cup style end of the year pga versus live now that's like a real built-in rivalry that's pretty cool i think that is pretty cool i mean i guess it would depend on who represents who 
you know, how is it like, where do they play? You know, uh, what time is it on? Like, like all that stuff, you know, if, if, if the Saudis demand that it's played, uh, you know, at four in the morning in America, it's some, yeah, but they, you know, they won't course or whatever. Yeah, but they, I mean, it doesn't seem like Liv actually cares about making any money, but they just want a piece of the PGA tour to have that sort of influence, but you can move it around. You could have it in the States. You could have it like they, the only place where Liv has been successful at all was in Australia. So yeah, do one there. The president's cup was like hyped in Australia too. So I think that would be a fun one, but I don't think that golf has really changed all that much. just because John Rom left. Like who the fuck cares about John Rom? Honestly, do you? Oh, I, I have no, to watch this no. tournament. John Rom is playing. No, I don't. It's more of like a vibes-based thing, right? Where it's just like, do I am I I'm gonna watch uh, the AT and T pro am? It's like yeah, which playing? you did, and hit Nick Taylor as a winner at like a hundred to one. That made you tune in. You didn't care who else was in that besides Nick Taylor. Yes, I mean, so that is it was one hundred and fifty to one. But yes, it definitely. Uh, I will continue to wager on golf because it is a great sweat, and because the markets are still somewhat beatable. Uh, they're, you know, yeah. not, I mean, not, not uh, certainly not like head to heads or anything. No, like I would I'm say not... flip it the other way. The head to heads are probably a bit more beatable. Top forties and 20, like thirties, twenties are probably somewhat beatable. There is like, they have sucked. There was no value in the outright market to begin with, but it is so much worse now. Now that people like actually bet on golf, at least 10 now years ago when no one was it, betting yeah. on golf, it was okay. Now it's like, oh my God, the amount of handle that they take on these fucking markets is outrageous. I don't think I, I don't think I, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know if I got an outright last year or not. I, I, like I probably three. did because I still have some money in my uh, one account. I, that's the thing is I, I, if I let myself get too into golf, I will, I will bet way too much like there have been there have been years where like i bet more on golf than i did on football which is like that's a that's a lot you know because player props are going to be just way more beatable than than golf stuff but the the one thing i have noticed is some of the books just straight up copy data golf which means that the tools that i'm using to bet it's like it literally doesn't matter yeah, you know so it's that, like that's it's why completely you, unbeatable that's why you should subscribe to fantasynational.com fantasynational.com/mayo get yourself 20% off and you'll be good to go and that way you can do your own re- do your own research davis you know who will love, i need to get like the mega people on here like doing their own research on everything do your own research on golf with code mayo well, I am a, a lifelong subscriber to Fantasy National, and uh, yeah, I get on I get on Fantasy National and and click around. Uh, it's definitely uh, weeks where once football is over, over like post waste management, I will spend more time, you know, being really in on on golf. Like you know how people say the NBA kind of starts on Christmas. The NBA like never me, starts. I'm convinced that people don't actually watch the NBA. I think well, they just were, consume were, it through podcasts and highlights. There are definitely, I mean, that's like a real thing. Like more so NBA. than any, any sport that we have, like in North America, like the primary audience for the NBA are podcasts, TikTok, and Instagram, not actually watching games. I think more people listen to the low post podcast in the 24 hours after it releases than watch the NBA on a Wednesday night. Yeah, I think that's probably true. That'd be my guess anyway. Like the only person I know who actually watches basketball is Garyan. That's it. 
I watch. I got I got League Pass on my phone. I watch the the Thunder are really good this year, so I yeah. watch a lot. Yeah, and it's a hometown thing. Like I've watched like two Raptors games this year. That's it. Like since I left Toronto, I like the Raptors are still the one team that I will tune into because that was the team that I supported the most. Like that, that would I rarely went to live games, but if I did go to a live game, it was most definitely Raptors over Jays or Leafs. So I still have my allegiance, and they won the title when I was there, and I saw a Finals game, and that was awesome. So I guess I'm kind of pretty in cool, for right? Life. And I and I mean, being a Leafs fan is like, why would you even do that to yourself? It's you know, hilarious, being a Leafs, man. It is it's like, so. It's funny. like being a Dolphins fan. And it's not though. Well, maybe it is, but no one. My, it's not like, but people in Miami, at least the way that I can think about it, it's not like they think that they're the best team every year and are going to win the Super right. Bowl, regardless if the Leafs are good or bad. People think that they're going to win and are like. Leafs fans only know about the Leafs. They're not even hockey fans. They just like the Maple Leafs. So they have no conception that other teams exist, who's on other teams, who's good on other teams. Maybe some do. That's a generalization. But for the most part, like it's, I've never seen anything like it. Like Even when I lived in New York, Yankees fans still knew about at least the other teams in the AL. They at least knew about who was on Boston. And then beyond that, they knew about the teams in the AL East. Like, oh, here are the teams that are good. Here are the teams that are bad. Like, they knew people. It wasn't just Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. Then that's all we know about baseball. About the National League, they didn't give a shit about that. But about teams that played the Yankees, they knew. In hockey, Leafs fans are just like, man, the Leafs are so sick. They go top cheddar cheese. It's the best. Like, they're fucking morons. And they, I mean, what, they haven't won a... They've won one playoff series in like the last twenty years. Yeah, and they won a, one last year, right? Yeah, they, I think I think they did win one last year, uh, and then they last won the cup in nineteen sixty seven. I think there might still have been six teams then. Man, pretty pretty brutal. Yeah. Hockey is hockey is so interesting, where it it is like a global sport, but uh, it it is so poorly marketed here in the United States. I mean, it's just like no one cares. Like I'm in a town with a team that won the Stanley Cup, what was it, five years ago, the Blues won the Stanley Cup or whatever. And you can go, I mean, like, I went to a game because the Avalanche were in town the other night, and, like, I went to a game, bought, like, pretty nice seats for, like, 90 bucks the day of and just, like, walked in. Like, no one cares. I like going to hockey games. I think hockey is one of the best live sports that you can go to. It's, like, it's action-packed the entire time. Like, I have no interest to watch it on TV. Um, Like, for me, basketball and hockey just blow away everything else to go see live. You know what's not a very fun live sport? Football. Football, dude. Yeah, football it sucks. sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Like, think about how bad football is on a random Thursday night at your house yeah. watching it. Imagine but you got to be outside in the cold. Yeah. But you got to be outside in the cold, right? I, I went to, I've been to a, now Chiefs games generally pretty fun because the team's good and like the atmosphere is pretty good but like i went to a i went to a thursday night game where they lost to the chargers on a two-point conversion as time expired and i just remember being like that was one and and obviously it takes two fucking hours to leave it's like that was just like one of the worst ways i could have spent six hours of my life like going to this game it's like 27 degrees. It's cold. They lose to the Chargers on a, uh, I can't remember if it was a Thursday or a Monday, but it just like sucked ass. It was just so miserable. I don't, I guess because the football stadium is different because it's so big getting in and out. But the cities that have actually figured this out are the ones that have the stadiums downtown with like in bigger cities, but like with great transit, like the transit itself, the subway system 
in Toronto sucks, like comparatively to other cities. It only really has, let's see, the U route and the cross route. Like that's it. It's not like in New York. Like when I moved to New York, I was like, oh my God, I can get anywhere on the subway. This is fucking amazing. Like I can get to it from borough to borough, avenue to avenue. If I just know, once I figure out like what line is what, I can get to anywhere I want. You cannot do that in Toronto. You can take a subway to a spot. Then you have to take like a streetcar or a bus to cross, cross the city, whatever it might be. But the main focal point of the out of city, like, you know, I guess they would call it like Amtrak in the States from like, you know, anywhere in the tri-city, like into Penn Station. It's the GO station in Toronto at Union Station where all of the suburbs, Hamilton, wherever it might be, all converge at Union Station. The main subway station is Union Station too, where everything kind of, it's the bottom of the U in the city. And within a 10-minute walk of Union Station. The hockey arena slash basketball arena, Skydome is right there. The soccer field is a little bit more down. It'd probably take you 20 minutes to walk there, but everything is centralized like that. So when you get in and out of games, it's not quick, but you're not sitting in traffic in a parking lot honking your horn for two hours, which I always found made it a better experience for me. Like when I went, like I went to one Bills game just to do the... Like, we drove down, did the pregame there. Like, that was fun. That was a fun experience. But, like, getting out of the fucking parking lot, waiting at the border, it's like, fucking kill me, man. Like, this is the worst. And it was, like, minus uh, 80 out. So that's like uh, that's a real thing I've noticed as uh, as I become an old fucking cranky man, which is that leaving anything, concert, sporting event, right? I mean, we got a we got an MLS team here uh in in st louis now a hockey game what just whatever it is leaving anything the worst man the worst just like sitting in traffic a fucking parking garage waiting to get on the highway just like just kill me man like i hate that so much that it makes me not it makes me actively not want to go do things so that's what i'm saying like the 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 metropolitan experience of having something in a large downtown core with transit by it actually makes it palatable to go to because it doesn't take a long time to get out of there or you can go walk out go to a bar for 10 20 minutes like chat with the people afterwards go watch the start of like the next set of games or whatever might be have a beer have a snack and then you know 30 minutes later there's literally no one left around you just go home yeah yeah that is that like that's pretty optimal like uh it so Soldier Field in Chicago, if you are already downtown, you know, you can just walk in, you can hop on the train, you can do whatever. I literally cannot imagine having to drive from the suburbs down to a game at Soldier Field. Like, that would just be like, that. I literally would not do it. I don't think I could be paid to do it. Well, I mean, that's, so what people do from the suburbs to get, like, whether it be MLS or whether it be a Leafs game or whatever, they drive to their, like, go station like where their train station is in their town that's 45 minutes away, park there, park take the there. train in, and then just walk yeah. to the stadium because it's two minutes away, get back on the train and go to their car. That works out a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that, I guess, I don't know. I'm such a small town guy. I wouldn't even, it would not even occur to me to do that. But yeah, that's uh, that's way better. Uh, speaking of Soldier Field, Justin Fields. What are we? What are we doing? What are we doing with uh with with old JF one for Chicago? You got to trade him. Hundred percent have to trade him. That's yeah, going to be my take, and I feel like he's going to make me look ridiculous because he's going to go to the Falcons and be fucking awesome or something like that. Like I don't think that he's bad. Uh, he's I, listen. I don't think he's great at the same time either. But if I'm Chicago and I'm really doing like blowing this up or at least trying. 
I guess here's the question that I ask myself, and I think that the answer is no. Will the Bears ever win a Super Bowl with Justin Fields as their quarterback? My answer would be no. And since I believe that to be no, you have to trade him and take another quarterback with the first pick. And you reset, like you have all the benefits of resetting your clock contract-wise, whatever it might be. Now, you might say, I do think that they can win with Justin Fields. And if that is your answer, then you keep him. I think they... If I, uh, you know, just imagine me uh, closing my eyes and going up like a like a mentat from Dune and imagining all of the possible uh, outcomes, there are worlds I can see where Justin Fields could win a Super Bowl in Chicago, but not with this coaching staff. I think these coaches, uh, Eberflus and Getze, I think they're idiots. Like I, I don't, they showed like basically no signs of competence to me. Uh, maybe the defensive coach, I forget his name, uh, the defensive coordinator, like, and maybe Everflus is a good defensive coach. I I don't know, but what has happened every year of just of the Justin Fields experience in Chicago is they start the season trying to have Justin Fields play an Andy Dalton style offense, right? A lot of, a lot of five-step dropbacks, a lot of, you know, trying to fucking, you know, feed Cole Komet. 11 yard seam passes and it doesn't work and he either gets hurt or just plays so bad that they have to you know bring in Nathan Peterman this year it was Tyson Bajant you know just what Trevor Simeon last year whoever it might be and then he comes back from getting hurt or getting benched and then they say you know what let's try and win some games to save our job Justin you just do your thing and it's all quick passes and running and scrambling and if you just repeat that cycle forever You'll never get anywhere. You will just be totally stuck in stasis. So I, what I would do is I would for sure trade Justin. Um, I think you could get a conditional pick for him like the Eagles did for Wentz. Yeah, you could get a conditional first for Fields. It's okay. I, I guess that's the part that I, I would have to explore as well. Like, What can you actually get for Fields? If the return on Fields is a fifth-round pick, then fuck it. Trade the first pick and get the biggest haul ever, and then... Don't sign him to the whatever max deal it is. Just play him on his fifth-year option, see what he does, and maybe you're the worst team. Maybe you have a top-ten pick again, or at least you would have the assets to trade up next year. It just seems like I don't know anything really about college football, but from what people say, at least, that you know you can pick like one of four guys this year, and they're all kind of expected to be good. Now, obviously, they're, all four of them aren't going to be good. Well, people term- aren't going to say people aren't going to say that anymore after Penix like just got absolutely crushed in the college football championship, but. I actually think Galaxy Brain opening up my 19th eye here. If you can do this mega trade, like get this crazy deal and get Penix with like the 19th pick or something the, the instead Pen- of the th- the Penix mightier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I think if you can do that, if you can get this huge haul, keep Justin Fields and take Penix and just like basically have a quarterback competition, I don't hate it. Ultimately at the end though, Caleb Williams and Drake May are like, they're Trevor Lawrence level prospects. Okay, but here's the thing. Is Trevor Lawrence actually any good? No, but he was a really good prospect. Sure. So, like, he was hyped as, like, an Andrew Luck type prospect. Now, I would say that Andrew Luck, although he retired early, didn't win shit, watching him play and the success that the Colts had with Andrew Luck, I would say that he basically lived up to the hype of being awesome. Like, he was a top five quarterback in football basically every single year post his rookie year. Lawrence isn't yeah. even fucking sniffing that. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is I don't think Trevor Lawrence is all that good, but I I'm not going to I'm not going to change my opinion on what I think about Caleb Williams and Drake May because Trevor Lawrence is Sam Bradford. I I, I understand that. I think he's better than Sam Bradford. And maybe like listen, he gets a built-in excuse at least this year because he made the playoffs last year that he was just so crippled from a concussion, a knee <laughs> he problem. Was the, he was a the high Monty Python sprain. Black Knight. Yeah. Yeah. And it just he ended up coming back. Like sometimes that hurts people where his ability to play through pain and to play at 60% capacity makes people think that he sucks because he's playing out there when he's not 100%. And it kind of happened to Herbert last year a little bit. Although uh, Herbert, Herbert did, might uh, not be good either, by the way. Well, don't, don't, you're going to get, you're going to get flagged. People are going to do a community notes on this podcast. If we oh, start no. To say oh no, I'm, I'm so scared about, about these fucking Herbert. losers in their basement who love Justin Herbert. I don't watch football, but I read the spreadsheet that said that he's the best quarterback in football. Why, why don't you do something? How about you win a game or make a pass? Wouldn't that help? <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime, anytime I, uh, I tell the Justin Herbert people that he should try winning a game. They just say, you don't get it, brother. You don't get it. I feel you like maybe here, here's the thing. Maybe they don't get it. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I had this conversation with uh, with Kevin Cole. Uh, I'm sure uh, Kevin loves book. him. No, no. Uh, well, Kevin is with me in the sense that there there clearly is a delineation of quarterbacks between ball knowers and and the stats guys. And Herbert is to- Herbert and Lawrence are like the definition of the ball knowers. The people who claim they know ball will be like, if you don't see that Justin Herbert is maybe the best talented quarterback in the NFL, you just don't know ball, brother. And then you look at his advanced shit and you're like, yeah, I mean, he's good. Like Justin Herbert, is, I, I would never say Justin Herbert is bad. Justin Herbert shouldn't have been paid by the Chargers or anything like that. But I certainly am not ready to say, oh, if the Chargers just get a serious coach and whatever that they can win the Super Bowl. Like, I'm, I'm not ready to go there at all. You see, I, I do think that he is a quarterback that I could see winning the Super Bowl one day, but Feinberg kind of put it best when we did the show. I mean, obviously, there's no one who loves Herbert more than Feinberg, but he's like, I just wish Herbert would play more like Josh Allen. Like, be a bit more reckless and maybe you'll be better. Like, there, it seems like there's throws he... Because we know, like, listen, you know, I, I watched the film, Davis. He can make any throw. Can, Th- this he, we know. He can make all the throws, He can make brother. all the throws. He's super athletic. He can run. But he doesn't seem to use any of these things to his advantage. Where Josh Allen makes some horrible mistakes, but he uses every bit of his gifts to his advantage. You're 80 yards down the field? Well, he's going to try to hit you. He might throw a pick, but he might throw an 80-yard-in-the-air touchdown to you as well. He might try to truck stick you on 3rd and 17, a guy who's three times the size. And you know what? It works sometimes. Sometimes he fumbles it. Sometimes he throws it backwards for no reason. It makes the stupidest play. But he also hits those ceiling plays as well that Herbert just feels like he plays it too safe all the time. And it just that conservative nature kills him. I mean, I again, far from me to diagnose what it is. I I also thought Herbert was maybe not that good of a prospect at Oregon. Now that ended up being wrong, right? I mean, he clearly was better than than I thought he was originally. It's just like, I I mean, this is the detracting from my original point, which is I I think Caleb Williams is going to come in and be like I think he is going to have the sort of impact on whichever team takes him as Stroud had on the Texans, and I would not be surprised to see Drake may do the same thing either um, for, for the commanders or whoever ends up taking him. And I just think it's so fucking hard to find that guy. Like let's say theoretically the bears do this trade 
and they trade him away and the Patriots get Caleb Williams or just whoever, right? And then we spend the next five years probably doing the Justin Fields dance because then they pick up the fifth year option and they give him the con and then the Bears are just remain in this quarterback purgatory that they I mean, when is the last time the Bears had a quarterback? Never, right? Like Cutler. literally never. Yeah, I mean, but Cutler, Cutler is just Cutler is just uh what what is he? I mean, who's the who's the modern day comp to Cutler? It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen's the good Jay Cutler. Yeah, but that's the thing is Cutler was never as good as Josh Allen. I mean, he was no, good. he's not. But Cutler was good. Like Cutler, it's a, the year that Rodgers won the Super Bowl with Green Bay. They got there pretty easily in the NFC yeah. Championship game because Cutler got the Bears to the NFC Championship game, and then he got hurt. Then Todd Collins had to play. Yeah, yeah, shit. And I, they still only a, won that a, game like ten three or seventeen ten or something. Um, but just like I think that your opportunities as a franchise to get the quarterback are so infrequent that I just think you probably just, cause I, you'll get a first, you will get a conditional first for Justin Fields from somebody. I gar- I guarantee it. You should, because I mean, Rogers technically got a conditional first for the, from the jets. They, he didn't play, so it didn't end up happening and they ended up with a second round pick anyway. But I, I fields is one of the top half quarterbacks in football. But if you have a chance to get a potential, like, I don't think he's ever going to be top five. Maybe I'm wrong. But if you have a chance to get a potential top five quarterback in football, that's what I'd be trying to do. Like, what, what's the point it's of the most doing... important. It's the most important and most foundational piece over over everything else. Particularly, as many people will note, you you reset the, the salary cap clock, too, because you're paying this number one overall pick nothing you know relatively relatively speak these are teams i could see giving a conditional first or more for justin fields the pittsburgh steelers the tennessee titans that one's probably thin but i think possible because you know who knows what they think of levis the denver broncos are totally in the wilderness at quarterback the raiders are totally in the wilderness at quarterback jimmy garoppolo not under contract next year um Dolphins. you know we will s- the Falcons are the Falcons are for sure. Tampa and uh, and the Seahawks. The Seahawks. I think Tampa just resigns Baker to yeah, but uh, maybe, maybe they will forty seven million. But like resigning Baker to me is the same as when the Seahawks gave Geno all that money. It's Gino, like what are you yeah, doing? it's the, it's the same thing. It it's is, like it oh is good, the same thing. You you have now signed up for going seven and ten, nine and eight, winning your shitty yeah. division and losing in the first round of the playoffs it's enough for some teams like right? ba- that- baker baker's like baker's probably again like one of the 20 best quarterbacks in football but like his yeah. destiny is the best backup in football yeah baker is like the best possible version of gardner Minshew. baker is baker is the final baker can totally win you nine games but he is ex- exceedingly unlikely to ever be a guy who leads a comeback down 10 points in the conference championship. And the problem is, as a starting quarterback, he's too good for you being a bad team to have because he yeah. will get you wins. You don't want that. You want... I'm trying to, trying to think of all of the terrible quarterbacks. Hell, I, I like Nick Mullins, but dude can't win game. He might average 400 passing yards a game. Oh, I, yeah. Mullins, Mullins, is, Mullins is, is a great example of that where he just... he. I mean, Mullins is just Jameis, right? Where it's like, yeah, he can he can get you the, the stats, but he is not winning you games. Yeah. But he's the... Like, if you want to actually tank, but not have your fans revolt on you, 
sign Nick Mullins and make him your quarterback and do the same game plan that Minnesota had for the final six games, you're going to throw 50 times, man. Just chuck it wherever you want. Well, uh, so that's that's sort of an interesting one. I mean, what happens with Kirk Cousins coming back? He goes back, he goes back this... to Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, that's just what everyone assumes. And it, it, I guess it probably does happen. But I don't know. I, I could see I could see something different happening there for for maybe the first time ever. Oh, I wanted to squeeze this in because I'm doing this now. I have moved yeah. my giant golf column every week to my free newsletter. So if people want to subscribe to the go to Substack, go to Mayo Media Network, or just like click on my show and there's like a free link down there. Subscribe to that if you want the uh, the golf column. It's very informative. It's like one of the most, it's probably the most informative thing I actually do. Because, you know, I used to be a good writer. And this is I the only subscribe. thing that I still write. I still write my weekly golf column. And I've been doing that for 15 years now. I subscribe. It's uh, it's a good column. Thank everyone you. should, everyone should, everyone should be subscribed to the Mayo Media Network, the Mayo Media Network newsletter. They should, all these things. They should always support Mr. Mayo and all his endeavors. So, what what else did I have down besides Fields? That was a good one. That lasted like, according to these time codes, twelve minutes. Look at us cutting through time here on actual topics. Uh, I mean, we can talk about we can talk about oh. the Chiefs. But before, because Cust asked this, because he's victory lapping Hall of Famer Lamar, two MVPs. And I want your opinion, just based on what you think, and what you think the public's opinion would be. Because we ran this poll last year, and I remember what the results were. If you had to start a team tomorrow, and your only two options were Lamar or Josh Allen, who would you take? Lamar. I would take I think Josh it's pr- I would take Josh I Allen. I think it's pretty close, but if I get to start a team, that means that I get to hire the coach. That means that I get to hire the offensive coordinator. That means that I get to pick the skill position players to go with him. So you, and- you, you think that you could maximize Lamar's talent more than you could maximize Josh Allen's talent? I think that Lamar, uh, if you got 17 healthy games of Lamar, there is no reality where you ever win less than 10 games. He just is too efficient and too skilled as a rusher. And if I'm winning 10 games every single year, I'm going to have a really good chance of winning a Super Bowl one of those years. I'm going to I'm going to be drawing very live for a bye and you know, Lamar for all of his faults. And of course, Lamar, like I, I'm not one of these Lamar fanboys that's like, he's the greatest passer in the history of the game. He's never made a mistake. Like, obviously, Lamar does make uh some mistakes. The dude never turns the ball over. He never turns the ball over. And that it is so hard to find a quarterback who doesn't get sacked, never turns the ball over and completes, you know, like a decent percentage of his passes. Like, that's sort of like, that's the thing that makes Mahomes so crazy, and obviously not so much this year with the turnovers, but Mahomes never takes sacks. He's like, he's like maybe him and Brady and Manning are like maybe the greatest in the history of the sport and not taking sacks. I don't feel like Allen takes many sacks either. Well, he turns the ball over. Yeah, he, he turns the ball right. over a ton. So, yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's kind of the diametric opposite. The, the reason I bring it up, because we ran this poll last year, uh, but I think it was before the season started. And it probably had like 3,000 votes or something like that. But it was like 88 to 12, Josh Allen over Lamar. So are we just in the glow of Lamar because he's the MVP, the rightful MVP, and he's having the best year of any quarterback? Well, him or I Dak. mean, I, I would have said that last offseason with Lamar coming off of like getting injured for the 19th time and not wanting to re-sign his contract. It's just how I view the I think Lamar's skill set is so irreplaceable. But what happens when Lamar, let's just say Lamar goes into the playoffs this year, they're the one seed coming off a bye and just get knocked out again. 
the Texans. Get, they beat lose. Them. They lose to the well. The Browns or the Texans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, my opinion is honestly still probably the same. I know, but but I, then the narrative flips. Like if we ran that poll, if we ran this poll today, it would probably be like seventy thirty Lamar, sixty forty Lamar. If they lost in the first round, even if both of them, let's say, but they both at, lost in the first. Let's round. say Allen. Let's say Allen. They all get to the right. Let's say everything goes chalk. It's Kansas City at Buffalo. Kansas City beats them. Houston at Baltimore. Houston beats Baltimore. It will reflect more poorly on Lamar. And maybe that's unfair, but he's just, he can win his 10. He's a great regular season quarterback, Davis, but when it comes time to win the big games, can't do it. Can't win with Lamar. That would be the narrative. Where with Josh Allen, people would give him a pass. Uh, Because, yeah, I mean, because it goes back. Again, like not everyone's going to be Tom Brady and win seven Super Bowls. When you kind of take a look at some of the quarterbacks that have won, you want you want the Josh Allen, Brett Favre type, like, or even the Flacco type. When he just yeah, it feels like at one point in Josh Allen's career, he's going to get to the playoffs and he's going to go unconscious for four games and he's going to be the best player. <laughs> it might uh, happen once. I mean- Rogers did it once. Flacco did it once. Favre did it once. I mean, Favre did it twice, and then he threw one really bad pick, and then it only ended up winning the Super Bowl once. But, like, that type of high ceiling. Maybe Lamar can fall into that, too, where it just all clicks one year and everything goes right for him. But with these high-variance quarterbacks, uh, you can just see it, like, you have to get lucky with the timing of the variance. But if it happens in these four games, I think that's what I would be betting on because it's so hard to win because you have Mahomes there. (laughs) I actually like that idea of the high variance quarterback being the one because I I said the opposite right I said you just you have you want Lamar, steady you win you win ten games every year it's like impossible to lose less than that but it it, With, it's, it reminds me of both the Tampa Bay Rays and the Philadelphia Phillies from like the mid the mid aughts to like late where you never aughts get where like over the hill. when you're running out Cliff Lee and Cole Hamels and Roy Halladay as your starting staff, you're going to win a hundred games and you're going to make the playoffs. But in a five game series, you might just relying that much on starting pitching that goes deep into games. Isn't always the best. The teams that win the super or the teams that win the world series are the teams that are just like the three outcome dudes. They're going to, except for the Royals that one year where that was just kind of shifted. But it's just like, who can hit the most home runs in August over a three-week stretch? They're going to win. <laughs> well, yeah, those Kansas City Royals teams, those are some of my most treasured memories uh, ever. But like but... shrinking in, like shrinking everything down into that, it's like no different than, I mean, I always make this reference because it's like the, the last time I really cared about college basketball. It's probably like 2005 or something. But when yeah. Ali Farouk Manesh just went crazy, I think they knocked out Kansas. I, and, I, I remember where I was watching And, and just like game. he just hit yeah. all the threes and like that, that, that was it. That was over. People should have at that point looked at that game and realized, man, like we just need to shoot threes all the time if we're not the best team. And this is all we need to do. And maybe we can just beat the best team. Yeah, I mean, that. so the big shift in the NFL this season has obviously been teams don't really play that way. You know, teams are there. It is the lowest average depth of target in 10 years. Rushing efficiency is down. Scoring is down. Like, everything is down. So the, uh, you know, the really good running teams and the more than anything, the really good defensive teams, you know, the, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Browns, these teams have um, a big advantage. But one thing I've noticed is that I think the reason why Jordan Love seems so fun and why the Packers have had success, and the same thing is true of Stroud. I mean, we saw it in literally the first play of the game. They're willing to to fucking huck it in a way that these other... Like, when's the last time you saw Pat uncork a pass 
30 yards down the field and you were like, oh, that's going to be a completion. Like every time Pat like steps up in the pocket and is about to unleash one, I'm like, just don't be an interception. Just please, like whatever idiot wide receiver is down the field, please just bat it down so this doesn't get intercepted, you know? And and honestly, like the, the, the Dolphins too, like when the Dolphins are not getting the 80-yard bombs to Tyreek, oh, it's just like nothing. The, got, they got nothing. The, the Dolphins as a Jekyll and Hyde team, even to watch, is so like you can tell when they're like they're they they are a strict vibes team. When they're vibing, they are fun, and when they are not, they are not fun at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I I have picked against the Dolphins every time they played a good team in 2023. Now I don't know if I don't know if uh, the Chiefs count as a good team. Well, that that, that that's what really what I wanted to talk to you about. Is Kansas City good? Can you see Kansas City winning the Super Bowl? Because I can. Yeah, I mean, really all it takes is them turning back the clock a little bit. Kelsey feeling, you know, Kelsey getting a fucking PRP injection into his knee. Um, you know, a couple timely Isaiah Pacheco runs. Kadarius Tony n- not, you know, just turning the ball, like not just like literally handing the ball. It's kind of crazy that Kadarius Tony did that twice in one season is still on the team. Like, literally, there are two games you can point out to and said, those would have been wins, almost 100% win probability, had Kadarius Tony just simply caught a ball that was literally in his hands. I mean, it's it's nuts. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it's not that dissimilar to the 2021 team. Remember the 2021 team? They get blown out by the Titans. They get blown out by the Bills. Everyone's like, these dudes stink. They can't do anything. And then they make it to the Super Bowl. Now, in the in the end, they did get blown out by the Buccaneers because uh, Andy Reid's son killed someone like seventy hours before kickoff, and three of their offensive linemen were out. But yeah, I can I can see it, but I, it's hard for me to tell how much of that is cope or or not. I I can I can see it, but I don't think it's very likely. Yeah, the, their range of outcomes is so huge because like a chain the this like because it's supposed to be frigid in Kansas City this weekend, right? It's going to be like zero degrees and snowy. Yeah. So I wouldn't expect a lot of scoring in that game. And I do think that the better rushing attack and the more unique rushing attack lies with the Dolphins. That if oh, they can, for sure. And like they can break off 80 yard runs even in the snow. Like it becomes people forget that they think like cold weather, they think snow, they think low scoring. And generally speaking, they are right. But. It's also an avenue for really big plays for fast players. I remember LaShawn McCoy in a snow game once, Buffalo against the Colts, and just just demolished them. I think he had like 40 carries in the game, and just no one could tackle Yeah, he him. always smashes in the snow. It's just like no one had any footing except for LaShawn McCoy, and he was just gone. So if, you know, remember, reminder to the Dolphins to bring their snow cleats or cold cleats, whatever it is, but they just have so much speed that – you know, one guy slips, and now it's a 75-yard touchdown. Where I look on the other side of the field, better quarterback, Kansas City. Better defense, Kansas City. Maybe it's negated in terms of offense, but in terms of, like, big plays, Kansas City has none. They never, they never get big plays. It's all, it's so pain. The, 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 the image that is in my mind of this season and will stick, uh, assuming that it doesn't end up becoming memorable, is them in the second half against the Raiders just banging their dicks in the mud just trying to get like five yards at a time and just being incapable just like it's first and ten it's second and nine it's third and seven and then they're punting and just like they they had a a, an eight and a half minute drive in the third quarter against the Raiders that ended with a field goal just being like that is not 
the Chiefs. That is not the that is not the Andy Reid Mahomes Chiefs. And like if they play that way in any of these playoff games, like if that's the recipe, the defense either has to be like the 85 Bears or they're just going to get blown out. So, if they can limit the big play, I think that their path to the Super Bowl actually works out really well if you wanted to spin it that way. You get this cold weather game against the Dolphins, which you should. I mean, they're four-point favorites. You should beat them. And, like, where their defense is so much better now than it's been any of these other previous years, their offensive line is very good, and Mahomes is very good. And Pacheco's like, all right. So you can— Yeah, he's fine. And maybe they just weren't trying most of the year. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure that's not the case, but you need Rasheed Rice to— You need one of these receivers to step up and Kelsey to look a little bit— He doesn't need to be Pete Kelsey. He needs to be, like, 80% Pete Kelsey, not 50%. Pete Kelsey, uh, Pete Kelsey, but you can but, win. Yeah, game. that's the other thing is like if Kelsey plays like he did towards like if the week off did not help him, that buddy, it, it ain't happening. I, mean, He's I thought he be broke good. his ankle in Minnesota in like week five and he like missed a snap. I mean, we literally at the beginning of the year, we thought he was out. We thought he was done. We thought we thought he tore his ACL and he was like had this hyperextension and he just played on it all year. The dude is 34. I'm 31. If I hyperextend my knee, I promise you I'm not up and running in two weeks. Like I'm going to be miserable. I, I think the I hope the week off was very good for him. So, but what I'm trying to say is like they get this cold outdoors game. Maybe not a lot of offense. They can shut down the rushing game. Because I don't think that like, I mean, yeah, you, Tua could throw a bubble screen to Tyreek or Waddle, and they could take it 90 yards by making one guy miss. But I don't think it's going to be like seven-step st- seven drop for Tua, bombing it 50 yards down the field, like over defenders' heads. It doesn't feel like the right elements for that type of game. So you get this cold, outdoor game against a speedy offense who has no one left on defense and no offensive line. Maybe the defense can grind them down because the elements kind of suggest that that they could. Then they go to Buffalo next week. It's kind of the same thing. It's going to be shitty elements. The Bills' offense has looked putrid in terms of just consistency week to week. It seems like the Bills have decided that they want to take some of the variants out of the game. I know that didn't happen so much against Miami, but they want to I run mean, that's, the ball. I mean, that's for sure what they want. That yeah, is they, clearly Ben Joe Brady's thing. Yeah, and they want to run the ball more. They want to shrink the games down. Uh, they don't want to have, like, their defense has played really well for just the people that they have left. But the more that you see them on the field, the worse that it is. So if you can shrink the game down, keep the ball in the hands of the offense, and just don't have your defense out there that much, then maybe you can mask that a little bit. But that's a lot like what Kansas City is doing as well. Like, those teams are a coin flip to me right now. So Kansas City could most definitely go into Buffalo and win that game. Again, cold weather, defensive battle. Kansas City has the better defense. That's going to work. And then you have to go into Baltimore and just hope that they gag. And But again, it'll probably be outdoors. I mean, it will be outdoors regardless of where they play, but it'll probably be cold. You rely on your defense. Now, Baltimore does everything better than Kansas City, except for one main key component that always comes back to is that they have Patrick Mahomes, and he could just play like Patrick Mahomes, and if he does that, they're going to win. I mean, that. so that, like... At the end of the day, that's really it. It's it's nothing. It's nothing logical, right? It's nothing about being like, oh, they could make this schematic. No, it is. It's just does, like, does the best player play? Does the best player in the league play his best? If he does that, they're probably going to win. Yeah, yeah. I and I. I mean, I'm certainly that is what that is what I am rooting for, right? I mean that that is the that is the outcome that would be most uh most favorable to me. I just I think in the past anytime they've been in one of these spots 
like the Bills game is a good example where I'm like, oh, that you know, they get the ball, they get the ball back two minutes, 13 seconds left. I'm like, oh, this is just a win. This is a Chiefs win, you know? And this top this season, the sixth year of Mahomes' career is the first time I can ever remember them getting the ball back in one of these spots and being like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like it just, you know, just a the vibe it's 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 the only time the vibes around the team has ever been bad, really. I can see that, but I mean that all kind of flips. Like the playoffs has such a different way of and like listen, I I think that there is a decent chance. That's what's so funny about the Chiefs and us talking about it. Are they good or not? Can they win the Super Bowl? I think winning the Super Bowl is tougher because then they'll be in like where's the Super Bowl this year? Vegas? No idea. Yeah, honestly. it's in Vegas. So they get to play in optimal conditions inside. No way they're beating San Francisco in optimal conditions. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Like, you need the element. Like, they need the elements in their favor this year to help them out a little bit. Like, if you had to put, I mean, obviously Baltimore is the best matchup for San Francisco. But, like, who would you give a chance to beat San Francisco from the AFC? Because I really think it's, I, I mean, Cleveland beat them already. But, again, that was elements. Everyone got hurt on San Francisco. It's probably just the Ravens and Bills. Like, they have the right teams to potentially give them a challenge. I mean the Ravens especially, but other than that, it would be the Bills in my mind. The Bills probably. I mean, I just think really it is as simple as if the 49ers play B plus football for three games, I just don't like no one's touching them, right? It, it's the Ravens can get to Purdy. So yeah. I mean a lot of it like hinges on Trent Williams as well. Like, can he hold up? Like that's out of all the players on San Francisco right now, like, yeah, when McCaffrey got dinged up, that wasn't great. When Debo was out there, when they lost three straight games. But that also correlated with Trent Williams being out at the same time. And then all of a sudden, you know, Purdy doesn't look like Purdy anymore because he doesn't have all the time in the world to make the right decision every single time. Uh, it would be like when the Giants beat Brady. Just, oh, you pressure Brady up the middle, move him off the spot, and all of a sudden he sucks. People forget that Mark Sanchez beat Tom Brady in a playoff game. The Jets defense beat Tom Brady in a playoff game. Let's be real here. Uh, you know, I'm just saying people people do forget. People uh the uh the Brady mythologizing. You you're a Run the Sims member, right? I am a Run the Sims member. Yeah, have you been using the prop sniper? I've not been using the prop sniper because I have to drive 20 minutes to go bet props. So I don't which I was doing a good bit at the beginning of the season. I haven't been doing it as much now. You know, they they have um, basically in in landlocked states now. They have basically paramutual player prop betting. I saw that DraftKings has that like pick six type thing. Pick six. Yeah. There we go. So uh, that ain't good. Yeah. I haven't played it. I mean, look, it's it's fine. You know, it's uh, it it probably is a little bit beatable because you, for example uh saturday football slate everyone's taking the overs right people are like mahomes over josh allen over rashi Rice over. and if you just take if you do, do a bunch of unders uh the number of people who go five for five or six for six or whatever is going to be uh less than if you submit a, an all six overs or whatever you know? I, I heard i heard brian and pete talking about that on lols that actually made a lot of sense that basically it's a game theory game because the prize pool can only be so large based on the amount yes. of people that have actually signed up to play and you're playing against them and they can split whatever 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 if they get everything right that you just do the opposite of what they're doing and you would probably only need to win like once in every 30 times to actually make more money than the other side 
Well, yeah. I mean, that like, so the math is on like a five uh, for, for like a, a usual force parlay thing. Uh, it's, it's you got to, if you do the five pick slips, you have to win one in every 19 times to be to be to have an edge basically do you think do you think this is DraftKings way of getting into states like california and texas where you can do these parlay fa- fantasy parlay whatever whatever like prize picks and underdog and that kind of thing so when it does pass they can just convert everyone over to the sports book right away because although most people who have a DraftKings account and play daily fantasy where it would be legal is there already that this is a way like not everyone wants to play a salary cap football game. They just don't, but people like to pick an over. Well, I mean, they like to pick overs. Let's be serious here. If they want to play a thing where they can just press over this number, over this number, and then it's good to go. Like the, you, you cast a wider net with people with this sort of game than you would for daily fantasy to convert them over to real sports book. Once that time comes. I mean, I think that it is basically a byproduct, an accident of them legally challenging prize picks and underdog and that they wanted to have something to bring to market to show why or or to demonstrate to lawmakers that what the the base model of underdog and uh prize picks were doing was not legal and i think that any sort of customer retention or whatever or or customer acquisition that it gets is viewed as a bonus but to me i think it's just robbins and and uh his his boys just being good at their jobs just really being good at at continuing to make DraftKings have the future ability to generate a shit ton of money yeah i mean a- any sort of contest like that i'm actually kind of surprised like we filled the one and done Two hundred dollars per entry, forty four hundred and forty spots. So that's I think they took the company took an eleven percent rake. So that's eight hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars in entry fees. I'm surprised that the like DraftKings Sportsbook doesn't run something like that. I'm glad that they don't because this company can continue to pay me to they shield do, play in this one. The, the, the sportsbook runs some pools, not that not a one and done. They do like you know they have like a survivor pool and they yeah, have some some but, things. But like, like do that. they? Because like the the circus super contest or the circus survivor and even the super contest, those seem like maybe it's because they've been around so long that they have that sort of credibility. But like if there was one on DraftKings Sportsbook, and maybe there is, and I just don't know about it, and they're bad at marketing it. Uh, which pretty you know, sure I there should, is a survivor. Which I pretty should sure. know. Survi- I mean, most most sites have survivors, but like a. Can I go in and you know, call it? I mean, remember, uh, hell, Josh used to run the the Super Seven contest. Remember that? We all yeah. used to pay like a hundred bucks, and you pick your seven favorite spreads of the week. The Super Contest, you pick your five favorite spreads of the week, whatever it might be. I'm shocked there's not a huge online version of that at one of the major sports books. It's really confusing and confounding. My guess is that there's some legality thing with that. My, my guess is that in, in America, there is some sort of, um, I, I don't even know what it would be, but some sort of like peer to peer limitation. I, I don't even know, but they're, you know, across state lines, money, like what, just something like that. Yeah. I, I could most definitely see that. Cause the, the company that runs the one and done, uh, they ran a survivor pool for me this week, but it didn't get done in time. So we didn't launch it until week seven. So it had to be free. Although I know people that want money in it. So that's nice. Congratulations to them. Uh, I think it was like 5K to split for a free contest. We did a March Madness bracket with them too, but it had to be free because like the, it just, 
because of what you're talking about. Like there's weird rules state by state. But what I wanted to do that, because it has something to do with spreads and NFL teams. Like if you called it something different, then maybe there's a legal way around it. Like I'm, I'm no lawyer. My wife might be a lawyer, but I am no lawyer. I just, you know, have the cadence of a lawyer and the, the, the asshole tone that people believe me when I talk. But I do think that you could do it with props because it's fantasy points kind of thing, like yardage, individual players. Then you can call it fantasy, not gambling. That what if we try to come up with a pool for next year where there is a list of, let's say, it would be tougher that maybe on, I don't know, Saturday night that a prop list of 50 props gets dropped and you have to pick 10 of your favorite props and it's a big pool all year long. So you have to pick 10 props from 50 or 100, whatever it might be, every single week. Because you need to figure out a way that you can make it late enough in the week where injuries just don't ravage the entire thing. And there's like 10 free squares on the board every single week. That's why you have to make it 10 because there's probably going to be one, two, or three free squares because of a late inactive, whatever it might be. But you still want to put it out early enough in time that people have the ability to go make their picks. Would you want to play in something like that or would you just rather bet props? So I think that's the problem that you run into. I mean, people would probably do it, some subset, but like prop-based contests exist already and people do not give a fuck about them. Uh, what that's is fair. it? Uh, Thrive Thrive Fantasy, oh, which is uh, they, currently they scamming a off, bunch I of think. people. Thrive yeah. Fantasy finally fucked off. Yeah. They're not, so, I, I just, all I've been seeing on maybe, I mean, I saw the legal sports report. report. Yeah, they've got like 14 users who have like 300K of withdrawals that they're just not paying them. It's, it's it's this generation's fantasy aces. Oh, there was fantasy. There was another one. I mean, there's been a, there's been a lot of DFS sites uh, that have rugged over the years. Um, but yeah, like that 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 format has existed for a while. Okay. People don't care. I I just like the season a lot because I I was thinking about pools in general. Like, because there's only so many ways to grab people into gambling i mean that's all the sports books want to do right they just want to get new new customers have them stick around have them lose money but still not lose enough and like with the churn you need to get new customers to feed the ecosystem the entire time so how do you get new you where's the biggest base of new users coming from now i don't know the answer to that because i don't have the inside research for it it would I'm, be getting women to bet women on sports and men 50 and over would be my guess I think you're frozen. You froze on me. No, you froze on me. There is like a bad storm here. I had to shovel snow this morning for the first time. That sucked. Uh, But I would say men over 50 as well would be like, just because they're not good at technology. So they don't have accounts. Feels like an easier convert to get women. Like, let's say your long-term goal as the NFL and FanDuel and DraftKings and whatever and BetMG, all these all these places to get women over the next 10 years into sports betting than it would be to get a bunch of boomers to, to download DraftKings and start firing, you know, uh, player props or whatever. Hey, I, I, honest to God, and one of the, I think I've brought this up to you before, one of the main reasons that the Pat Mayo experience has a larger female audience than basically any other show, it's not because I'm fucking hot, I am, but... Fantasy Bachelor, Fantasy Challenge, all the fantasy like reality TV stuff that we did 10 years ago that brought in and some, and listen, the 
female audience of my show demographically now percentage wise is not as high as it was then when we were actively covering that stuff full time but a lot of those people still did stick around to this day that I hear from and that they tell me that's how they got into it that if we could figure out a way to do that on sportsbook like that's the in and it's not so much about like what you can bet on what you can't bet on it's all about just again the customs and conventions how do I use this and then people do like, yeah. well I download the app well, here's how I deposit money, and here's how I make my picks. Well, maybe I'll try this for NFL six months down the road. That's the way in. But I think that where so many older, like, 50-plus men, like, even at my golf club, it's the same thing. Like, they don't want to bet on someone to win the Masters. But if I give them a sheet and tell them they have to pay 500 bucks and pick six names off this Master Pool list, they will. So, obviously, they want to bet money, but that just, like, getting onto an app is just a bit too much for them. Like, could we get them with pools and then get them in kind of thing. I think it's possible. I mean, it would, you would just have to, I don't, you'd have to start from a very high level for these things. I'm thinking about like, okay, like let's say the NFL hired me tomorrow and they were like, your goal is you need to get as many women who have a sports betting account by 2035 as possible. I, I would honestly start very grassroots level. I would just be like paying shit tons of influencers, just like like small ones at like a very small level before before going to the next level. Cause like obviously like if we got fucking Kim Kardashian out well, here. Well, 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 I mean, I, you're talking about both different polls here. I like this idea of the small influencers and then generally how this works if people don't know. So it becomes like the smaller influencers, be it, and now where TikTok is growing a little bit more back, five years ago is really only Instagram. So you'd pay like low level Instagram, low level TikTok that would, and pay them to like enhance and like promote kind of thing. You pay them to promote, but also pay them a budget where they're buying impressions to get in front of whatever it might be. The next level up would be the me's and you's of the world where they come to us and be like, Hey Pat, I mean, this is basically what prize picks did and it worked really well for them. They did that. Then they came to people yeah. like me and Sal and whoever it was at the time to be like, Hey, can you do shows around prize picks? Make mention prize picks. Like, yeah, we can do that. And that's what we did. And then, you know, where we were somewhat established in the space as it was, it lent it a little bit more credibility. It wasn't just the two of us. There was a lot of people doing it at the time, but this level of it, and then you go even bigger. Like I'm seeing prize picks commercials on TV now. That's the next step up in marketing. And it's kind of gone like they've done a really good job of spending like like that those gambling commercials spend within your limits i feel like they did a really good job of that at prize picks and underdog as well um coming in and doing the marketing at the grassroots level small small bigger 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 until it becomes a real thing a lot of these like points bet um, fuck Caesars, Bollies, like these ones that have tried to get into the online gambling space. Like they spent themselves out trying to compete with DraftKings and FanDuel. Like it was stupid. Yeah, they were, they were, I, I guess like I see why they were doing what they did because even landing as the number three in that race could have been valuable if you outlasted everyone else. You know, like let's say Bet MGM, like literally every other sports book just decided we we can't compete. Like being the number three could have been valuable, but it's a lot of money to get there. And and you know, just everyone ended up everyone ended up tapping out. Like DraftKings and FanDuel were were just too good. Yeah, and I mean Bet MGM, I think is a solid three. Bet ESPN, I they have an inherent advantage. They really do. Yes. Because they can reach those people. Sure. They ESPN can reach those people that 
do not have gambling accounts yet, which is so valuable right now. So it's a good time to come in. It's sort of like, it's funny that the pen went from Barstool to ESPN, where you couldn't think of two more opposite audiences. And as it, as it turned out, Barstool was like the worst place ever to try to acquire new customers because none of those people have any money to bet. Yeah, it turns out, turns out a bunch of uh, 19-year-old frat dudes are, uh, you know, they they... They get their one deposit a month and they burn through it and then that's it. And then you get, you know, uh, all of your, uh, you know, like, look, I'm a self-respecting man in my 30s. I'm not fucking registering for the Barstool Sportsbook. I'm not I'm not uh, not hitting bet on whatever um, Dave Portnoy's parlay of the day is not not for me. No, but I mean that that on paper, that's a perfect strategy. Portnoy is. Someone who goes viral all the time. He's very well known. He's very well seen. He has a huge following. People love him. It's just his audience aren't necessarily the right people. They're not the best customers. Whereas I don't know yet of the long term about ESPN bet, but I would guess 55-year-old dude who's still paying for ESPN, probably a good customer if you can get him. Yes. I mean, that that ultimately is the, I think, a smart bet that ESPN bet is making. And I, I would imagine long term they will be successful. I mean, I, I think that it was a tremendous lack of vision by the true higher ups at ESPN to not start planning for this 15 years ago, honestly. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the reason that FanDuel and DraftKings are so far ahead was because I mean, I'm pretty sure that they only launched the DFS product 10 years ago, or at least two years into it, be like, gambling's coming. Let's get ready for that. I mean, that's the main reason that I signed on with DraftKings anyway. Like, that wasn't a part of the discussion. But if I saw it, then obviously they saw it coming, and they knew how big business that was going to be, or how big it was overseas. Uh, Your message popped up on the screen there, even on the uh, thing. So, yes, we know you have to go in 10 minutes, Davis. I do gotten out in 10 minutes. But anyway, I love talking about this stuff uh, when it comes down to it. But it's funny that all these other places spend themselves out. They go out of business. Now you have ESPN bet in the market. BetMGM is still around. They're still doing well, at least, I think. Like, Bet Rivers is still around to compete. Uh, Fanatics is getting into the space. And I think they're very unique in the space because of all the verticals that they have. You You can have gambling apparel, whatever it is, all in the same place, that makes a lot of sense, I think. Like, that's a good crossover and a good synergy with that audience. But then you just have Bet365. And when you see all these reports come out state by state that they're, like, fourth or they're third, like New Jersey and Indiana or whoever it might be. Those might not be the actual ones. But they do a decent amount of handle. And I think they've spent $0 advertising in the United States. What do they have? They have a reputation as being the world's biggest sports book. And their product works all the time. And they do limit people, but they do pay out very fast. Which is uh, valuable. You know, if you want to be a, that's more of a, like a market making style book. And you, you got to write a lot of tickets if you want to do that. So that, that would make sense for them to, to not market or whatever. You know, there's a, there's a big difference between a retail sports book and uh, a market maker, you know, like, so that's Circa, like Circa, they, I mean, I, I don't know if we'll ever see a Circa advertisement on uh, during an NFL game. Like, probably not, but they're going to keep writing a bunch of tickets and people want to wager with them because they know that they have fair lines and fair odds. It's just, it's just a different, it is a different business model. They're just trying to accomplish different things. Oh, 100%. But with Bet365, what I think that they're, it's not like they don't have money. 
And it's not like they're never going to advertise. And they do do like a little bit of advertising here and there, but nothing like to the extent of the other places. Like they're not hiring Jamie Foxx to be, you know, like I'm at a funeral and I can play blackjack on BetMGM, which kind of sounds great. Not going to lie to you. Oh but, my God. How fucking amazing is mobile blackjack? I have not crossed over into iGaming. I just yeah, can't do it. It's do a it. bad idea for me. I wish. It, maybe, it's a bad idea for me. Maybe there's a feature like on that I can go into that I can self. Like I would, because we don't have draft. Like we don't have legal gambling where I'm at. So like I only play it on like DraftKings, Sportsbook, FanDuel, Sportsbook, wherever it is when I'm in a legal place. Uh, here I just use Bet365 as a gray market. But um, in the Bet365 one, I, I mean, I've never had the temptation to go over, but I remember losing a bunch of money playing blackjack on Bodog like 15 years ago. Um, and I just wish there was a button like it instantly go into the sports betting app that I want to self-exclude from iGaming immediately. I still want to use the sports book that I can handle. I can't handle myself in iGaming, so I literally can't click on it. And I know a few people who will not download sportsbook apps because it is connected to iGaming and they can't trust themselves around iGaming because it's not like it's it literally funny money when it's on your phone you're like oh i'm playing a game no you just lost twenty thousand dollars correct yeah i uh so i don't have iGaming where i live i don't have iGaming in illinois either when i cross the border but i've been on a couple vacations uh i went on a couple vacations in 2023 in states that did have iGaming and um yeah it's just not it's not healthy to be able to play you know 50 dollars hands of blackjack on your phone like that shouldn't exist we that should be the, the legislators should actually protect me from that. I'm fine with that. No, so listen, I think that everyone should have the ability to do it because some people can do it and not have a problem with doing it. I would legitimately lose all my money doing it. So I can't do that. Like, it, it, sports betting and, like, casino game gambling are such two different things to me. And I can go into a casino and play and be fine. But just there's something about There's the gamification of it where it feels like a video game on my phone. Where sports betting doesn't feel that way to me. Having chips in my hand and going to a casino and sitting there doesn't feel that way to me. But for me personally, it feels that way on my phone. That just can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, and you you shouldn't do it, right? I and mean, I don't at, do at the it, end so. of at the end of the day, that it that is what it is. We we I just having those. Uh, just what a what a mind fuck the 21st century is, you know, well, just having that option. Here's what I want to end with, because we didn't get to the one thing that I really wanted to talk to you about now that we have to go, is I've been on a, I don't want to call it a diet uh, since the new year. I just changed the way that I eat. Yeah. Um, I want to consume, I sent you that screenshot of how many calories I burned on my treadmill. Yeah. 125 thousand calories and let's call it that's probably not that much because it's a treadmill let's call it like 75 percent of that whatever it is but i ran like sure. 800 miles on my treadmill alone that's no gym no outside that was just me watching sports this year at home running on the treadmill it's the only thing that i use it for i gained weight last year yeah now i bulked i lifted i lifted big but i had to figure out like why am I getting fatter and I'm <laughs> running 800 miles a year or a thousand miles a year and burning a ton of calories? So I bought a scale and I will not eat anything unless I weigh it. At least I have for the past 10 days. I think it's going to stick like forever. But on the margins, 
I think I figured out where a lot of it was coming from. And a lot of it was coming from me just like snacking on my kids' shit all the time. Because uh, that's like, what every parent I know says. Says like, oh, you you finish up a f- chicken nugget here or there, and it really adds up. It does. It, it's unbelievable. I'm I'm worried for Pete uh, once his daughter ends up like a year from now, like when she starts like, I want McDonald's, and like gets out once a week or once every two weeks, and you know, there's just you know, some extra some extra large fries kicking around. And Pete, it's it does happen to everyone, especially people who are working out all the time. And they're like, you don't get the results that you want to get. But I have found that weighing everything and not eating it until weighing, like weighing everything is a fucking hassle. That it actually like limits how much you eat. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I think that I that would be I, so. One of my things is I am just calorie tracking everything that I am doing in uh, everything that I am eating in January, and just being whatever avenue it takes, weighing it, tracking it, like whatever it is, just being conscious of literally every piece of food that you put in your body. For me, it shaves off just like 800 calories a day of just like mindless grazing type shit. Same as me, because the gray, like I still like to graze, but I haven't been doing it. Because, I mean, I did it once. I grabbed a thing full of, like, popcorn chips the other day and just put it on the scale. It's like, I'm going to chop that one down. But generally, I'm not going to walk by, like, the the pantry and be like, oh, yeah, here's a, like, a handful of chips. Let's go get a bowl, put the bowl on the scale, adjust it, put it into it so I know exactly how many calories it's going to be. That barrier of actually weighing the food is the difference because it's a hassle Correct. to weigh the food. Now, it's great that I'm consuming fewer calories i've had to up my protein i've I'm taken protein shakes for the first time in my life to make sure that i continue to have enough protein because uh, i always did because i basically eat meat with every single meal that this is sort of like a you know an adjustment up that's why people take protein shakes to make sure that they can still bulk up and build muscle while trying to lose fat at the same time but i probably shaved off literally like you you said what you did like i'm at like a thousand to fifteen hundred calories a day less because I just yeah. there's there's no grazing, there's no extra meal because it's a pain in the ass to weigh fucking food and then make it every single time. Like no eating out and no like microwave meals, anything like that. Um, just I have to have fresh food, weigh it out, and you find you're just by the time you sometimes collect all the stuff, you're not even fucking hungry anymore. <laughs> you just gotta. I mean, yeah, I I think you you really cannot go wrong. Just like eating shit that is the closest to its natural state tracking how much you eat you know but, but, i mean it's but it's, I, I, I guess I, I guess the point that i'm trying to make and maybe i'm not clear about this is that the bureaucracy of tracking calories properly actually makes you consume less because it's yes, a hassle uh, it it changes it changes your whole chemist your whole mental chemistry about eating you stop like it stops being uh just a pure dopamine reward it's like a little bit it's a little bit of work uh, so it change it changes your relationship with food and with eating in, in a positive way for weight loss. Yeah, and in health in general, like I'm a lot healthier now. Like I'm just not consuming shit. I'm only consuming good food at this point. But like I'm going out on Saturday. We're going out for a huge meal. Can't fucking wait to eat like five thousand calories. It's gonna be awesome. I'm excited to do it. Yeah, you got it. So like I'm I'll, I'm probably gonna go out to dinner this weekend as well. And yeah, like I'm just gonna pig the fuck out because I. You know, I, I mean, I'm down a couple pounds, like, you know, feeling, feeling good, lifting weights, running, doing all, doing all that shit. And I don't, I personally do not want to have a purely food is fuel type relationship with with food. And I, that's the thing, trying to find like 500 calorie meals that I actually enjoy to eat was tough, but I'm now like working through it. So I has like have a list of things, the weights of them all. 
that both fill me up that I also like to eat. And like, just, like people have asked me, like, am I doing intermittent fasting or anything? I'm not. I'm just eating when I'm hungry. Yeah. That well, fuck. That is uh, that is extremely good advice too. Is is just eating when you're hungry and not eating just because you're bored. Yeah, don't eat when you're bored, but don't feel like like if you're hungry at eight o'clock in the morning, eat at eight o'clock in the morning. Like it, it's okay. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's what I wanted to get out there. And like this- we can do, we can do. Why don't we? Why don't we round back up in a month and see if you're still having fun or if you're miserable uh, weighing your food. Yeah, let's do that because I have like two weeks of shows to fill while I'm on vacation. So that's a good one that we can kind of bang out whenever and we can save it for that week. And it gives, gives you a week off from this show as well. But I'm going to send you this because uh, I've been doing more Instagram workouts instead of running okay. all the time. I'm going to send you the one I did this morning. I, some of these are fucking tough, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it. If, I, if, it seems, if it seems interesting to me, I'll give it a go. Cool. All right, man. All right. Talk to you soon, man. See ya. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America.